0: This is Aikido Disgust, your regular weekly Aikido podcast, where we talk about the joys, pains, and general disgust of the martial art of Aikido. I am Christopher
1: Pine, head instructor Aikido.
2: trained in Japan for a little while, and um, that was a long time ago. And, that's sort of, uh,
3: and so that, that is why we asked to have you on the, the program. Um, a couple episodes back when we were talking about what is Aikido, and uh, part of our description was the fact that this is a traditional Japanese martial art. Um, and it struck me that like that is something that is important, question mark? I mean, I think that was like... I, uh, whether or not it was important now um, to sort of recognize the fact that this is a Japanese martial art. And so I thought it would be interesting to have you on to talk about the, that experience because uh, at one point in time, I think it was very important for people to go to Japan and study because that that's where it was. Now I think that might be different. Uh, I, I'm not sure. Um, but, yeah, so maybe start with the, the story. Like, how how did you end up there? Yep. How did you
0: come to Aikido first, okay. and then uh, how did that go into you moving to Japan?
2: Okay, so um, I was reading a book by Richard Heckler, and I think it was The Anatomy of Change. And uh, he's a psychologist, and he was talking about... Uh, Massage and body work, and, and um, how that affects people's psychology, and some of the things he had done. And at the back of the book, um, and he had mentioned Aikido. Some, and he's an Aikido instructor up in Northern California, and um, he's written a number of books. And um, anyway, he, he wrote about um, how uh, Aikido was was created. He wrote about O Sensei being in a, in a in a duel in a sword fight with another person, and a naval cadet, and... Um, uh, that old story. <laughs> yeah, that old story, and I probably most of the listeners are familiar with it. And, the duel and, that
1: wasn't a duel.
2: Well, the, the, that, that, uh, uh, the, the duel that lasted for an hour, and that ended because the guy was too, too tired to pick up his sword, and, and that's how he gave up. And um, I'd always been interested in martial arts. I'd done karate um, as a kid. And I wanted to do judo, but I really didn't know what judo was. I thought that's what karate was, and so I, I spent two years doing karate and figured out that oh, that's not what I wanted to do. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Had no idea. It tells you how different it is oh, from man. now, you yes. know, like
0: because now it's like you get on YouTube in twenty seconds, right. know the difference between karate and, and judo, you know. So
3: uh, when when was this? Like, what years are we talking about? Just to give people some context of.
2: So nineteen ninety two. Um, 1993. God, it was so long ago. Um, so at any rate, um, uh, so I, and that, I was living in the Bay Area at the time. Um, and that intrigued me the the fact that uh, it was a martial art of loving protection. And so, um, I went to a dojo in San Francisco and took one lesson and loved it. Who, what dojo was that? Do you know? Uh, it was at the, it was, I think it was at the YMCA and, and, uh, um, was it
0: Iwama people?
2: No. Okay. No, so this
3: yeah. was probably at a time before it had become popularized enough for people to have dojos as such in places that weren't the YMCA. Or, right,
2: uh, right. Yeah. You, you just had to kind of be in the know or does there just happen to be a dojo in your neighborhood and that's how you found out about it. Um, so at any rate, um, and that was the time I was actually moving back to Fresno to start uh, the credential program at, at State. And so I, uh, I moved back to Fresno um, and started looking in the yellow pages. And there was an Aikido Dojo in Fresno. Amazingly enough, it was Aikido of Fresno. And at that time, it was on uh, in some old warehouse in, on, in McKin- on McKinley. And... Uh, so I went there, and the very first class um, after we did Taijutsu, they um, they did a weapons class. And when I was doing Karate, Karate, they uh, uh, they had yeah, weapons. Your whites coming in. Yeah, <laughs> can't help it. Uh, the uh, there were weapons on the wall, but we never got to yeah, use we them. And so my first class, they put a a sword in my a wooden sword in my hand, and I loved it. Yeah. And I was hooked. Yeah. And so I started training and training and, and, uh, um, and then one day this, uh, I think it was in, like in October, um, Randy George, who was, um, one of the instructors at the time, great, great guy, great Aikidoist. Um, Randy said, Hey, you know, be sure to come on Thursday. There's this teacher from Japan coming. So I go in to the dojo and we bow in and this non-Japanese person, he had red hair, <laughs> um, got on the mat and uh, started class. And and uh, and so we're training and I'm looking at him. And I'm thinking, boy, this guy looks familiar. And uh, it was a great class. Class ended and... Um, um, I think in the changing room, uh, this guy came up to me and I said, you know, you look so familiar. What's your name? Oh, Patrick Cassidy. And I'm, okay, I'm Nick Ustetti. uh I know, I know I know you from somewhere. Well, we went to high school together. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, and so we just, I think we went out to eat or something. And Ty talked about I'm getting my teaching credential after I get a job. I'll go to Japan for a summer and, you know, uh, I'd like to come and see you. uh, So even
0: before really taking Aikido, you knew you were headed to Japan.
2: I wanted to get good. And uh, this was something that um, was uh, just, it it was intuitively something I was looking for. And all I knew was I want to get good at Aikido. And um, of course, Patrick was very much a prophet for, you know, having the Japan experience since he was already living there. And, um, and he really wanted to grow the dojo in Fresno and spread Aikido and, and, uh, um, and so uh, about, I don't know, uh, several months later, um, in the middle of the night, I got a phone call and it was Patrick calling me from the dojo. And he said, Nick, there's an opportunity for you to come to Iwama, but you have to come now. And I have a, I have a job for you. I have a house for you. And you can train at the wow. dojo. Fantastic. Every every so cool. every day. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I I I just I have a life. I, I'm... I just you know I I just signed a contract to teach summer school, and you know, and so I went and I talked to the principal of the summer school, and he's like, oh my god, you know, I'm not mad at you. Go do this, and you know, I'll, I'll have a job for you when you whenever you come back. That's cool. <laughs> so I pretty much dropped everything, dropped out of the credential program, and left my. Girlfriend at the time and got on an airplane and
0: came to Japan. <laughs> Way to Japan. Yeah. Wow. wow. That is awesome. Yeah. That's exciting. Like, you know, like, there's so much excitement in that. Like, I'm just going to drop everything. I'm going to go to a foreign place, do something foreign, like, get good at these mystical martial arts. And so, how long were you there for
2: then? So, um, I went over for maybe a couple of months and, um, I came back to Fresno for my, uh, my brother's wedding and um, stayed a couple of weeks and then went back again. And so so being the, the first month I was there, I was Uchideshi. I was a live-in student. And that was one of, um, so this, we haven't really said that. I went to Iwama, um, yeah. which is <laughs> oh, <yeah>. the... <laughs> we forgot to add that part yeah. about that. We were
3: going to get there, I suppose. But.
2: And Iwama um, was the um, uh, the place where um, Oyoshiba Sensei built his last dojo, um, his first dojo being in Tokyo, and um, it was the place that he lived. He had a farm there, he went there during World War II to just kind of get away from things and and um, um, and that was the place he he stayed at until he died and his um, live-in student was uh, Saito Morihiro sensei, um, who was the teacher at the time that I went there. And so um, uh, so I went there at first as an uchideshi. Um, for the first month I was there, I was a live in student. And normally when, if you were a foreigner and you wanted to come to Japan, you needed to be an, uh, a live in student for, I don't know what the requirement was, six months or a year, but did you need a letter of introduction or anything? Or how'd you, Patrick was my letter of introduction.
0: Okay. And so it was that pretty standard. Someone had to find a letter of introduction yes. to even get to be uchideshi at all. Yes. Oh.
2: Yes. And, uh, uh, they didn't want people just showing up. They wanted someone that you know they could kind of attest to the character and.
1: How long had you been doing aikido when you got the call to move?
2: Um, like a year. Like or? a year. Okay. Yeah, I was like a maybe I was a sixth queue or a fifth queue, mm-hmm. and um, uh, so yeah, just just still pretty still pretty new. new. Yeah. And, um, so I was there for, uh, I was a living student for a month and then I had a little house um, in town. Um, and, um, the way we made our living was we were teaching English. Ah. And at that time, um, this was just towards the end of the bubble economy in Japan and Japanese were mad to learn English and they wanted to have a foreign teacher that they could have a conversation with. Um, it, probably, a lot of people know that, um, a lot of, Countries require students to study English, They, and in Japan, they learned all the rules, they learned all the grammar, but for um, a couple of different reasons, it was very hard for them to actually communicate orally, and uh, it was easier to do it with a foreign student or with a foreign person, and it was a little more exotic, too, a little bit more fun. It would right. be a lot more fun for us to learn Japanese from a Japanese person right, exactly than right. yeah, you know, yeah. from some white some American dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And so, uh, uh, and so that's how we made our living. Um, and all the foreigners at, at the, all the Soto Deshi, the, the outside students, the students who did not live at the dojo, that's how they made their living. And uh, unless they were rich kids, you know, on a, on a, not a scholarship, uh, what's it called? Uh, trust fund. <laughs> yeah. We had a couple of those kids and, uh, uh, but for the most part, we were all, you know, scrounging to. To make a living and also studying at the dojo.
3: And so it's probably just split. I mean, your time when you weren't working, you were at the
2: dojo, and so the, there's probably some hangout time, <clears> time <throat> too. Well, <laughs> and, uh, so living at the dojo, you know, twenty four seven, you're at the dojo. You're not supposed to be working. Um, you're, and so like Miles Kessler. Um, was as i understand it uh, he w- he lived at the dojo for a year he saved up his money and uh came to do- came to uh, japan and for a year he just lived um at the dojo the only thing i think he did outside was which was a very smart thing was go to japanese school and um, miles was very proficient in japanese and um but other than that um, when you're at the dojo you're taking classes You're you're, you're Working um, on the grounds, um, there would be sometimes uh, uh, groups of maybe uh, Japanese university students coming to visit, and then Saito Sensei would have um, uh, he'd, he'd decide, okay, today we're going to have you know five classes, and so you have a morning class at uh, seven, you have a uh, uh, another class at ten, a class at noon, a class at two, and then evening class when. Um, the local community and the, the outside students would come and wow. it, yeah, so it could be it could be very intense and, and the idea was you know hey look you're here focus on aikido right don't, don't were, go off and do all this other stuff
1: were classes in English or the no. Japanese yeah. so did you in pa- did you, I yeah uh, did you pick up Japanese as you went like was it immediately just like completely immersed in Japanese or
2: I was immediately com- uh, immersed in Japanese I did not pick it up. <laughs> uh, uh, it was a very slow process, and um, I just never worked out for me to go to the uh, Japanese language school like oh. like Miles did. Mm-hmm. Um, and I so regret regret to this day that I wasn't able to do that because um, it would have saved me a lot of grief in the end. <laughs> um, but usually, Patrick or Miles or Luis de Quiros or um, Pat Hendricks, if she was there, you know, as Sensei's teaching class and there was a point he'd want to make, he'd Say you know, Miles. Just translate what I said, and and uh, and they knew um, enough about sensei and aikido and Japanese that they he was they were able to you know impart what he was trying to get across. But most of it was really visually watching. I mean, the first Japanese word I learned in Japan was dame. Okay. For those of you that don't know, dame means no good. <laughs> And uh, the next word I learned was moikai, which means do it again. And uh, so um, sensei would show a technique um, uh, and then he'd say hajime and then everyone would find a partner and start practicing that technique. And he'd be watching around, watching around. And then there was something that he wanted to, be, to, to teach. He'd stop class and he'd, he'd, pick on the, he'd pick a student, you know, like I'll just say me, for example, I'm doing a technique wrong. And he'd say in Japanese, Nick, you know, um, do that again. And sometimes he'd say, dame, no good, do it again. And thinking, is he going to get it? Do you know what you're doing wrong? Right. And um, sometimes I knew, usually I didn't. Right. And then <laughs> Just keep doing the he'd same. He'd get, ah, okay, sit down, you know. And then he'd show, okay, you were doing this, instead do this and so you're 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 looking you're seeing a, a visual representation of what you did and then what you what you should be doing and then now you practice and then the um uh, uh the probably the greatest words you could ever hear were, Ah, well okay yeah that's good that's good okay you got it you got it awesome yeah so um
0: it, aside from the the language barrier did he seem to pontificate on techniques much did he talk to you about much about what was going on with the techniques or was it just, I'll show you you're either right or wrong
2: it it, it varied um, uh, again sensei's mission was um, O sensei as I understand it O sensei wanted him to spread Aikido and that's what he wanted of all his his students and um, uh, uh, Saito sensei was Uh, was uchideshi he was a live-in student he had a wife and he had a family and he's o sensei's live-in student for 23 years i think
0: (laughs) if you've ever been uchideshi for even six months you know that's an crazy intense experience i cannot imagine being uchideshi for 23 years
1: (laughs) with the family yeah with the
2: family it's kind of like you're a voluntary slave and um, i heard
0: he cut his honeymoon short or didn't go on his honeymoon because he had to be there for training probably um,
2: what
1: a to- tolerant wife <laughs> well well not only that but
2: sensei to, to make a living because oh sensei was not rich he lived in a very humble house you know there wasn't there was not a flush toilet in there in fact um, one of the one of the the uh, uh, Special experiences of being an uchideshi there was, you know, the dojo was there. Well, right next to the dojo was O Sensei's house. Mm-hmm. So you awesome. got you got to if, if you were a very high ranking uchideshi, you got to sleep in O Sensei's house instead of sleeping in the dojo. Whoa! And um, uh, at any rate, Saito Sensei, uh, I don't know where he lived at that time, um, but um, he had a job with the railroad. And he'd go and he'd work a shift with the railroad, like I don't know, a twelve-hour shift or a twenty-four-hour shift or something crazy, and then he'd come back and sleep a few hours, and then he'd be training with O Sensei, and doing whatever O Sensei wanted, working in the you know, on the farm. At that time, there was a small farm there, um, uh, you know, building something, cleaning something up, um, whatever O Sensei needed. That's what. Sensei had to do for twenty three years.
1: That really puts life into perspective. Yeah, you it know does. doing living at the dojo, going doing your shift at work then going and training for however many hours, and then maybe fitting some time in to go see your family. That, <laughs> like,
2: that's devotion. That
1: makes my own life a lot more uh, in perspective. Yeah, And yeah.
0: understanding, you know, like now it's so easy for people to get information. You know, in all that time, getting probably a quarter of the information is just flying around that people can get now. And there's this one guy that you can get one, this information yeah, right. from, you know? Yeah, right. And like devoting your whole, your whole, all of your time, all of your
2: life to getting that information mm-hmm. from this guy. And, and, you know, we can get the information, but having the experience is different. And, and that's probably the, the biggest part, which maybe it's self-evident, but to, to be around someone that that was his experience. Um, and, and, um, and, you know, when you're a student there, you know, he's going to yell at you. He's going to tell you you're doing it wrong. And it, and, it, and it feels really harsh, but that's just him teaching. And ultimately, what he wanted was he wanted you to get good when he stopped talking to you when he stopped correcting you that was bad no. cuz you're not going to get any better right so um and did it,
3: you expect? i mean were there people that he would just be like eh, that guy's not either for whatever reason not worth me putting time into?
2: Yeah, and and there were foreigners and there were Japanese that way. Some of the older Japanese that, you know, oh, this guy's been training for 20 years. He's just
0: doing it his way.
3: He's
2: you know? just not going to get it. There's no point in wasting any time right. on him. But right. this new guy that is 23 and um, has got potential and maybe could someday could be a high-ranking sensei and really do a lot to spread Aikido, I'm going to put some time in him. So no, you did it wrong. No, that's wrong. Okay, you know what? When when class is over, you need to go out and spend some more time doing doing sword work. You are not ready for this. You should think about going home. You know. Huh, that's that's the kind of pressure you put on That's and and you know, of course, no one no one would go home. They'd right. be like, you know, cuz the other people are like, "No, no, 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 listen, you, here's what you're going to do." Um, but now I I look at it some 20 odd 25 years later, you know, and I see what he, oh, that's what he was, at the time, I'm like, man, this dude is harsh, this dude is old school, this is, you know, oh, what a jerk, <laughs> golly, you know. Right. yeah, you know, I had this idea of, you know, it was, what it was going to be like, and, you know, we were going to wax on, wax off, and you yeah. know, we were going we to have these in-depth conversations, and, and, um, and that wasn't it at all, but what he was doing was trying to, to impart his experience as he knew best, and, um. And, and truthfully, you know, uh, Patrick, I think Patrick told me that, I, I asked him, what, what, you know, what made you decide on Iwama, um, the Iwama dojo? And he said, because people that go there, they get good. And it's true. Yeah.
3: And uh, so explain, when you say good, I mean, can can you explain that? Because, um, I you know, for a lot of people, I think that's just like this nebulous thing. like Different good, what ideas a, of good. What a, yeah, I mean... Um, yeah, I mean, from in, yeah. As What's best getting as, good? Yeah, yeah As best you good? can explain, what what for you? What does that mean?
2: So, um, at the time, um, I would have answered it. You know, someone. You know, as their their form improves, their understanding of the techniques, their ability to to do Aikido, um, to um, um, whether it's weapons or 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 taijutsu, um the um, um, their understanding of why are we doing it this way, um, the um, in a short amount in a relatively short amount of time, Iwama was a place where you could go and you just you couldn't help it. I mean, if you're doing Aikido three times a day, right. um, and you're reading books about it and you're talking to other people about it, you know, it's almost osmosis, not quite. But I saw a lot of people that I thought, "Oh my God, this guy is hopeless," you know. And six <laughs> months later, whoa, that, he's pretty good. Yeah. What happened? Well, the training—that's what happened.
0: And is that because Saito Sensei was a very methodical teacher, or just like you were just so submersed in it? What do you think was the real secret to that?
2: It—it it, was—it um, was like a soup, you know the. Um, When you make a soup, your stock is the most important thing. That's going to determine the flavoring. And Saito Sensei was—he was the stock. Um, But you're in this environment where you know you're—you have—you have have people coming from all over the world, constantly in and out. You could probably do a a mini series on it because you know every week there's a new person there and there's (laughs) a different storyline. And um, but you'd have these different influences—people that had studied different martial arts that were from. Sweden or or Switzerland or Australia or, or, or wherever um, they'd been in the army they'd been in um, uh, they were old they were young um, and um, people added and they, so you know every every week the the, the the soup was tasted a little bit different and you learn different things from different people you hear different stories and you know half my Saito sensei stories, probably more than half were were you know second or third hand I didn't see him or, or Hear him do any of this. It's what someone who was there ten years ago, you know, huh. saw, or, and and so um, I I think it was a unique combination. Um, you 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 can't replicate it, um, but um, but it's going to happen in different places, and and, and part of that I think is the, the journey itself. So you have, when you go to Japan, um, uh, you have someone who's leaving their home country. They're going out of, they're leaving their friends and their, their family and their, their language out of their, 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 their uh, culture. The things that they're comfortable with. They're going to this place that's new. You don't understand the language. You don't know what's going on. People are saying do this or that. And you're mostly, you're watching and copying what they're doing you're, you're looking for the affirmative messages. Um, yes, do this. No, don't walk into the dojo with your shoes on, you know, (laughs) um, uh, that's pretty obvious example, but, um, and so it's, it's, it's a hyper intensive situation. And, um, the, um, in in that, unless you're just not up for the challenge, you know, I mean, some people would go, they go for a week and then they'd leave. This is not it's too me. much for me. Yeah. yeah, I I don't want to do this. This is not what I came to Japan for. I want to see the temples, right? You know, and and uh, go to the nightclubs and and uh, uh, so it, it takes a, a very intentional mindset to, to go into that. But once you're there, as long as you keep training, you you'll absolutely improve.
1: Do you think a lot of what I mean? So obviously starting with Saito Sensei was a lot, but um, learning with those all those. Variety of other people was there a lot of like sitting around after class or whatever, you know Having a beer or going to dinner and talking and sharing stories And I mean I would think that that would be a lot of that too was it the outside of the yes. dojo sitting and going okay Now what happened with this? You yes. know like the debrief yeah. after we just why know? did my you know? Why did my code of guys not work or right. whatever it is like was there a lot of that? And do you feel like that contributed a lot to your experience or your learning?
2: Um, so right after uh, keiko right after practice mm-hmm. so, so the class is 60 minute class mm-hmm. starts on time don't be late and ends right on time um, uh, usually more often than not we'd have a chance to do what was called jukeiko or free keiko free mm-hmm. free practice and for maybe 30 minutes up to an hour um, we were able to Um, just practice what we did. And so whatever students that wanted Mm -hmm. to stay after, you could train with. And for sometimes the uchi deshi were able to do it, but a lot of times after evening keiko, they had to go make dinner. So they had to (laughs) go into the shokudo, the cafeteria, and get dinner started and do their chores or whatever. Mm -hmm. But the the soto deshi, the outside students, we got to stay and train. And that 30 to 45 to 60 minutes was Mm -hmm. extremely valuable because that was the chance to... Practice what you'd seen, explore a little bit, ask some questions. Because, you know, during class, right. you can't just go, Hey, Saito mm-hmm. Sensei, what about <laughs> this? <laughs> Why do we like, do what? that? Right. And
1: um, Well, classes, I would assume, are probably pretty big, too.
2: <laughs> what were the sizes of classes, general sizes of yeah. classes when you were there? Um, Generally, there were, well, I want to say maybe... 20 or 30 people. And it was a small, it wasn't a big dojo. Yeah. Um, That
1: sounds crowded. (laughs) Can you run us, so
3: uh, run us through just sort of, this was a class from, you know, you come in, put on a gi, whatever. Can you run us through like what the 60 minutes would normally Mm -hmm. be like?
2: So on a good day for me, um, class starts at seven. Uh, Bad or good days, class always started at seven. Um, As I remember, um, uh, and so I would I would want to get there at 6:15. Um, I get there at 6:15. I put on my my dogi. Um, I go in and I start warming up. And um, a lot of times, Miles would be there, uh, Miles Kessler. And uh, if I could warm up with him, that would be great. You know, because Miles Miles had this unique warm up r- routine where we'd go through some some aikido techniques. It was kind of like a very quick uh, uh, kinenagare. Um, but it was more, you know, for, for warming up, but it was still to get together with someone and train with them. And, you know, to train with someone that's good is, um, when you can train one-on-one, even if you're just warming up, there's, I I can't explain it, but it's just valuable. It just helps. Mm. And, um, so, um, your job was to be warmed up and, um, um, and then a few minutes before um, uh, seven, uh, one of the senpai, one of the senior students would say, all right, everybody line up and uh, we'd line up in, in order of Don rank. And um, uh, so because the dojo was small, there'd be maybe four or five lines of people and the senior students were up at front and uh, more junior students towards the back. And um, then we'd sit and we'd be quiet and we'd listen and we'd hear Footsteps on the gravel, and then boom, doors open. Sensei walks in. Kumbanwa, everybody bows. Kumbanwa, he comes in and sits (laughs) down before the the uh, the altar, and uh, we uh, we bow in, and then he gets up and Taino Henko. He demonstrates, picks one of the students in front, one of his senior students, and Um, shows it a couple of times hajime and there you go and so for the next 60 minutes we'd go through um, different techniques and um, just depending on you know I I couldn't determine you know the like there was a curriculum or an order I think it really sensei um, uh, based the class on what he wanted to do what he saw needed to be done. Maybe there's a particular person or group of people in town, and they they needed to learn this this technique, or you know, there was a dawn test for somebody coming up, and and uh, um, but every every night it'd be something different.
1: Speaking of that, how did the tests work? So I mean, if you did you test for your uh, Q ranks while you were there, or no?
2: I never took a test while I was there. Oh. I remember you
0: telling me later that you were disappointed that you never really got to take that
2: test. Yeah. There there were so for the 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 Uchiha the living students um there would be a perfunctory test, but pretty much, you know, sensei you wouldn't test until sensei knew, you know, you were ready. And uh uh so
1: he would approach you. Yes. So you so would think, come up and say, "I think you're ready for yeah, this test. Yes, and now it's time." Yeah,
2: you don't you don't go to sensei. say, can <laughs> I take a test? No, no, right. no, no, no. You just you just wait, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, so for their, there were I, I guess there were Q tests there. I never saw one for the for the few dawn tests that I saw. It was usually for um, visiting students that mm-hmm. they came and they wanted to get their their dawn from Saito sensei. And uh, for me, it was like. You know, um, Nick, uh, I think you're ready. Okay, you're 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 gonna be you're gonna be a showdown. You know, go, go go get your belt in hakama. So that was
0: just it. He's like, you're you're <laughs> showdown now. You go buy a black belt, buy a hakama,
2: you're set. Yes.
0: Really? Yeah. Yeah. And so.
1: Wait. Okay. So there was no test for that.
2: <laughs> there wasn't. Um, so
0: did it kind of just depend on if he felt like giving a test, or he's like, ah, Nick's gonna be here for a while. No need for a ceremony. Like Nick's a showdown now.
2: Yes, because, you know, shodown's nothing yeah. in Japan. Yeah. Everybody's a showdown. Here in America, <laughs> it's like, it's a big deal. Like, right. huh. uh, I remember Miles telling me about his shodown test, and it was grueling. And uh, uh, it was like an hour long or something crazy. Um, but, uh, uh, and I was disappointed. And actually, Patrick, so Patrick Cassidy, for everyone to be clear who we're talking about, Patrick was kind enough to arrange to give me a test um, at the... There was a, a Budokan, a, 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 a martial arts hall in Iwama that was built by the city. It was a public um, uh, building, and occasionally a um, class would be held there, and we were also able... Somehow Patrick was able to reserve it, and we went there, and Patrick gave me a Shodan test, uh, which I think I did terrible at. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> And, uh, it was not what I wanted at all, but, uh, but nevertheless, I mean, that was the closest I ever got to having that, that, that kind of, uh, uh, experience. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and so, um, I was disappointed, but over the years, um, I, um, I, I, think I understand where sensei was coming from in, in terms of, um, what was important was, um, the not the test itself but but just to watch someone over time and watch them develop and and Mm -hmm. as far as um I you know i i can't get into his head i don't know what he was thinking but but for me you know for a while i didn't feel like i was really a showdown because i didn't go through that test but Mm -hmm. after a while i started to realize no you know i feel good at this you know right right right. yeah he's seen thousands of students he knows what a showdown looks like right and and uh and isn't that typical that other people are more confident in us than we are in <laughs> yeah, ourselves? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Which <laughs> yeah. is that, and that's yeah. part of the journey. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you know, the um, so talking about going to this foreign country. Um, while I was there, um, Miles introduced me to Joseph Campbell, who is um, this uh, professor of mythology. mythology right? Power of myth. Um, he had the Bill Moyers uh, interviews on tape, and I started listening to those, and I couldn't believe how these ancient characters from 2,000 years ago were kind of doing Same thing. what we were doing there. Now we weren't facing danger; no one was trying to kill us, but it was really about finding, finding out who you know who are you now? Who do you want to become? And, um, it was, um, just, I, I think about it today and it just blows me away. Like, wow, that's cool. That was, it's like something out of a story. And, and in fact, uh, Campbell in, in one of his interviews talked about, or one of his books talked about as he got to the end of his life, um, while, while he was going through, um, these crazy times in his life during the depression, he was out of a job and, he was a he had a master's in philosophy and just couldn't even get a job working in a supermarket and he so he was in a cabin for five years reading you know mythology classics and 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 how he went through these different stages in his life and at the time it didn't seem to make any sense you know why is this happening now but as he got to the end of his life and looked back he said it was like chapters in a book and um, and so I I look at that now, and I am just blown away at, wow, that was a that was a big chapter in my life. Right, and, right. And, and I think for for a lot of people that were able to go through that experience, um, um, maybe they'd say the same thing.
3: And this is what I find interesting about it, is is what you're talking about, that experience, uh, at that time. Because it feels to me like um, that was a very singular thing that was happening, that mm-hmm. for you to be able to go... And study with people uh, who had studied with the founder and were that direct uh, touch link mm-hmm. that doesn't really exist it, it, anymore in in the same way. I mean, you can you can still go and train at the at the dojo. I mean, it, it is still there,
2: right? Um, the the Iwama Dojo still exists. Um, it after Saito Sensei died, it was taken over by the Aikikai by the the IQ headquarters um, I, I know that there are still foreign deshi there because I, I went there last year and saw it um, but I I don't know what the trainings like I don't know what the experience is like and so that experience that I had that's long gone yeah um, it was it, a
1: very particular moment in time it,
2: it was um, I don't know that you know how well you can make a, a living as an English teacher these days. Um, you can.
3: I, I, I know some people who okay, have. Okay. Good. So, yeah, I think yeah. there are still people there that do it. I'm glad to hear. Yeah, it. But yeah.
2: but I think that in some form that experience is still possible. I don't yeah. know where.
0: I think there's an interesting thing going on here because like you were talking about Joseph Campbell and the power of myth stuff, and then Josh saying like you know that time in Japan and for Aikido maybe is gone now. It's not that that experience doesn't exist. It's yeah. just the way in which you had it is maybe gone now. You know, exactly. so so maybe it's not Japan is not the the road to go and, and do your you know young adventurous person chapter in your life. You know, um, but it still exists and it has mm-hmm. existed for thousands of years, as Joseph Campbell maybe would point out. Yeah, um, and so it's like you can still find that, but it, it, it may or may not be in Japan now. Mm-hmm.
1: I think maybe that experience is di- like the the journey, the going outside of your comfort zone thing is still completely possible. And it's less about where you go, but having that experience, you know, and I um, hear a lot of this from people like in college who studied abroad or, you know, went somewhere for a semester. And I went to the UK for a month and I think it's not so much where you go, you know, it doesn't really matter where you go, but it's the putting yourself in that new experience with a new group of people, you know, even learning a new language mm-hmm. and completely, you know, um putting yourself through that really, I think, is the the mm-hmm. thing. And, you know, I mean, it's really cool that you got to study with Saito-sensei and, you know, definitely that was a once-in-a-lifetime kind of thing. Um, but I think that probably that experience is still possible. It's just sure. finding yeah. that, you what know, wherever it is that's it, out, well, outside of your comfort zone. And,
0: it's, you know, so I didn't go to Japan. When I was thinking about going to Japan, several people had said, like, there are a lot of great instructors in California. Why don't you just stay in California right now? Um, and so in some ways I kind of feel like, Oh, I missed out on that Japan experience thing. But when you're relaying stories to me and how you felt and how the experiences were, mm-hmm. I had a very seem, yeah. similar yeah. experience, you know, completely dedicating yourself to something <clears throat> that makes you grow, forces you to grow mm-hmm. as a human is the same mm-hmm. experience, no matter what language you have it in or where you have it. So like definitely through doing Aikido and being Uchideshi and that kind of like really submersing yourself. I think Maya's is kind of going through some of this right now, like just, herself into it, you know, um, that will will force these things out
2: of you and draw this exactly. Out of you. And 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 you know, it was a transformational experience for me, and um, for someone that's considering doing this, whether they're going to do it here in America or in Europe, um, and maybe it's not even going to be Aikido, um, but to be able to have that that experience of going through this intense process that is really life life transforming. Right. Um, And, you know, the thing about Aikido is I think when people that study Aikido, they're, they're looking for um, that. They're already looking for a transformation to happen. You know, Mm -hmm. if I'm going to study Gracie Jiu Jitsu, um, I want to learn certain techniques. I want to learn ground fighting and I want to learn this and that. And, you know, I'm not. Thinking about my spirit, right. or want to right. choke you know, right, yeah. right? it's right, like right, man, right. I, just want, I want to be a badass, and and <laughs> right. you know, and
0: which which I think this is funny, and this may be another subject we should talk about. But like you know, I think it's funny when Brazilian Jiu Jitsu people say like, oh, you know, well if this guy, this Aikido guy, were to fight this Brazilian Jiu Jitsu guy, how do you think would turn uh, it would turn out? And it's like. Well, that's not even the first question an Aikido guy would ask. You know, it's like, uh, what did you get out of the experience? How life-fulfilling was it? Like, that's, you know, like, that's what an Aikido person would ask, and that's why they're drawn to Aikido, as opposed to, like, well, in the end of the day, can I beat up everybody? You know, yeah. it's a different different kind of yeah. thing.
2: And, you know, I, I remember, um, uh, just to give you an example, uh, the, uh, uh, the, the... So I, I, I fly to Japan... Um, uh, Uh, Cindy uh, Minky was supposed to pick me up at the airport she was there I just missed her (laughs) uh I got on a train I didn't know any Japanese but Japan they had signs in Japanese and English and I found my way to Iwama and I get out of the station and there's Miles Kessler and he's like are you Nick?
0: Wow! How is that even? I'm
2: like, yeah. Who are you? And and uh, so Miles took me to the dojo, introduced me to Sensei. You know, this is Patrick's student from Fresno, and Mm -hmm. and uh, you know, I'm just. And then we had we had practice, and uh, you know, I'm just like I don't even remember practice, but I remember the next day um, in the morning. Every morning we did uh, weapons practice, and so we're outside, um, and we're in uh, in the grounds off the dojo, and we're just doing subuti. And I'm sitting there doing subuti, and I'm thinking, oh my god, I'm in Japan, I'm doing, I'm, I'm <laughs> right. wearing these clothes, <laughs> right? right, right. You know, a, a dogi, <laughs> and sweet. you know, this is something that people have been doing here for hundreds, maybe thousands of years. Wow, right, and and so there's there's that aspect of going whether you're going to, um, uh, you're in Fresno and uh, or you're in Switzerland or you know wherever you are to to be able to have that that kind of experience of I am just in a very different place right now. I um, mm-hmm. that that's
3: and also I think the, that connection to the path, like this and this and this and this and this, and this uh, that you're doing this, this thing. That has been done, like we've
0: said, several right. times, mm-hmm. uh, right, for a thousand years or more. Mm-hmm. Um, is I think that's a very important awesome thing to Aikido people, and that's why we like wearing hakama, doing the traditions, following the way that it's done done forever. Whereas, like you know, a lot of modern stuff, there's just kind of this feeling of like, oh, whatever's cool, whatever yeah, we're, we're doing, do. whatever new clothes we wear, yeah, whatever yeah. it doesn't matter. You know, mm-hmm. we listen to workout music or whatever. You know, we just do that. Mm-hmm. Aikido people feel a desire to be connected to a history. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: I literally just had that experience right now when we were watching so uh, for context Nick showed us some videos um...
0: we did a little pre-game yeah a little pre-game. <laughs> we
1: pre-gamed with some uh, VHS tapes of uh, Saito Sensei and was it Maya finds Sen- this hilarious by the way yeah she said I, what, I really, is VHS? I, what is VHS that's not this, what, what does, does that stand for <laughs> <laughs> video video, video, video. <laughs> uh, no <laughs> I had VHS's when I was a child
0: um, <laughs> it was two <laughs> <laughs> then they were faced out by this other <laughs> old thing, the DVD. Right.
1: <laughs> so, anyway, as we were watching those and watching Saito sensei leading the, you know, um, Taino Henko or whatever, I'm like, hey, we do that in hey. class, you know, yeah. and it's like, duh. And I've watched videos on YouTube or whatever, but something about sitting right now watching, um, you know, watching the old tapes and stuff, like that, I had a little bit of a moment of that where mm. I was like, I feel really lucky. That's really cool. I get to, to yeah, I feel really connected right now. Like, this is exactly stuff that we do every day and it's real mundane to me because I roll up in the dojo after work every day, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever, here we go, you know, but like, and Being that's what like, people
0: have been doing for a long time. Right. Now. And
1: it's cool like hearing you talk about this. I rolled up in the dojo, I was in Japan, but still rolling up after work, you know yep, what I mean? And yep. it's like
0: Still doing the same thing, scraping <laughs> to make a living. <laughs> right, yeah. Exactly. Gotta find time to train and all this weird yeah. yeah. stuff going on. Yeah. yeah,
1: exactly. That's I that hearing that even secondhand, third hand, watching it on a video, mm-hmm. is like, Oh, that's cool. I like that. You know, and I think that's Seems particular to Aikido.
0: Yeah. And I think that's an important thing to point out when people are groping with Aikido and trying to figure out why it is we do it. You know, are we the baddest asses on the planet? Are we the best destructive people? Is is that even interesting to us? Do we even care about that? And I think it's okay to say like, no, we're more interested in a connection to the past, to a spiritual experience, to feeling what these things are. Like that's more important to Aikido people. And that's why you chose this martial art in the first place Mm -hmm. as as opposed to Thai kickboxing or something. Right. Yeah, right or anything
3: yeah. else, yeah, that you could possibly and do. not same anything
2: wrong with those, just different people, different needs, different times. Mm-hmm. And and there's, you know the uh, there's a word, and it's it's somewhere between spiritual and subconscious, but um, that um, w- when you get there and you and when you're with other people that are are maybe pursuing something similar, and you know we were all different, and I think I. I was different in what I wanted for Aikido than what Patrick wanted, what Miles wanted, what probably a lot of people were, um, and and I struggled with that at the time. Um, looking back on it now, and looking at how different, you know, the from what the practice that we do with with Saito Sensei to what you know Chris you do um, at the dojo to what. Patrick does and and Myles, I don't even know what really Patrick and Miles do now, but I, I'm sure that um, What's happened is they're they're expressing Aikido like you are through the things they've learned as it's their understanding And when you when I look when I see um, all of Osensei's students that went off and you know whether it's Takeda or or um, any of the other Names that I can't even remember. Yeah, Suzuki. There's, yeah, I mean, there's, there, there's tons. There's tons. And how they all had their own unique expressions, and and you know, there there was that same debate about which one's the best. Well, you know what, the, the, the context is important, but but for you. Um, uh, maybe you went with this particular sensei because at the time that was that was the right teacher for you That was the right experience right. for you. Or that's right. where you
3: happen to be right. At, right. That's or, what you need Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, so much of this, you know, we we've been doing this podcast for you know four or five episodes uh, And we've talked about a bunch of different uh, things and so much of it comes down to um, Just you as an individual, you know when we were talking about what makes for a good school kind of comes down to you as an individual. Right. When we are talking about, you know, Ikea for uh, students, it kind of comes down to what you're looking for for your children. Um, so, you know, so much of this is based on the individual, which makes sense because right. it is right. adult and art, um, and that is by its nature going to be based on the individual. Right. You know, mm-hmm. art is art to you right. and, and really no one else. So mm-hmm. I think
1: one of the biggest uh, lessons that I've learned through Aikido and through life and stuff. I don't know. I, this is not Aikido related necessarily, but going to college, I had a very specific expectation for what college was going to be like. Um, cause my parents met in college and I had all these, you know, they had all these stories that they had told me. I think it's the same with going to Japan or going to study with a certain teacher. It's, you hear all these stories and you have all these expectations and you feel like, okay, I have to get that one experience where, you know, me and the other students are sitting late at night and we're all drunk, but we're all telling stories about, you know, the, the universe. And I mean like there's all these things that you have expectations you have. And oftentimes those expectations aren't met or they it's different than what you thought. Um, but I think, but
0: rewarding, and but awesome. rewarding. Yeah. yeah.
1: And I think if you can let go of the expectations and let go of the, the stories that you've been told and go, well, what's my experience? Exactly. What's my, yeah, uh, exactly. what's my story going to be, you know? And exactly. I think that's, that really helped me, you know, uh, after that initial like, Hey, things aren't what I thought they mm-hmm. were, you know, going, okay, well, what is it for me? What's my college experience, mm-hmm. you know, what's my dojo experience. And I think, that has helped me a lot in life, let go of those weird expectations mm-hmm. and, um, you know, really get as much out as I possibly could. Yeah. And it sounds like, you know, going to Japan, you were able to do that. And, yeah. You know, you don't have to necessarily go to Japan to do that,
2: but. But, you know as you went through that, mm-hmm. that kind of brought me back to one, one of the important aspects and, and there was a sense of community there.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, so, um, someone comes from Portugal or, or France or, or England and, and you meet them, you exchange addresses. And then mm-hmm. some people I ended up going in, and visiting a, a few years later. Cool. Um, the, the, um, uh, we'd have, you know, we'd have get togethers, we'd have dinner together, mm-hmm. have parties or whatever. And, and, uh, I didn't really get to have that experience in college cause I was working my way through college and <laughs> it was uh, uh, a different thing. It yeah. was totally different. It wasn't, it wasn't fun. It was, it was work. I did mm-hmm. what I needed to do, but I was able to really enjoy a, a social aspect that I, I really hadn't had before. And, um, uh, I just have so many fun, uh, memories of, of that. And, uh, you know, we'd talk about Aikido, but then we'd, mm-hmm. you know, a thing that we used to do, um, Miles' his dad would send, he'd, he'd make videotapes mm-hmm. of Seinfeld. <laughs> and <laughs> and That's great. mail them over. That is great. We would get to, because, you know, I mean, they're, all we had to watch was Japanese TV. Oh, and, yeah. And uh, <laughs> uh, the... Uh, uh, so we'd get together and we'd watch a few episodes of Seinfeld and, you know, even the, the commercials and, you know, the weather in Texas neat. at the time, six months ago, right. and it was all, you know, neat from home. Yeah. And, oh, it was great. It was great. And, and, uh, so of course we're not just Americans, there's other, you know, Europeans and, and, but we're all getting together and, and watching this and, and, uh, uh, or, or, you know, Miles would, uh, Miles had a really great house and, and, uh. Uh, it was warm cause he had a, why was it so warm? I can't remember why it was so <laughs> warm. Maybe it was insulated or what, but a lot of houses, especially at that time in Japan, weren't, they weren't insulated. Mine was cold. You wake up in the morning, you see your breath Oof. and, uh, uh, but, um, you get, I got used to it and, and, um, I'm still used to it. I still like to sleep that way now. Yeah. Um, but, um, anyway, we would, uh, uh, I had uh, the house that I had eventually um, I, I I left Japan I came back I got my teacher credential and then I went back at the time that Patrick was ready to um, to leave and and so we, we traded places he came huh. to Fresno I went to Iwama and stayed in his house and it was a, a four-room house and um, I was one person and that's like a mansion in Japan not a, not quite a mansion. This but is a
0: historic house though for everyone listening. This house had Stan Pran in the beginning of Aikido Journal was there.
2: Aikido Journal was born in this house. And it's funny, I saw Stan I think I was at a, a conference in Tokyo or, or seminar in Tokyo or I saw him somewhere. Maybe he came to Iwama and I said, Hey Stan, I'm I'm staying in your old mm-hmm. house and he wasn't impressed. It's but... <laughs> was like okay, <laughs> that's awesome. We had all <laughs> to these... you. It's a big deal to him. It's like oh. yeah, okay, cool. And but... We had all these old copies of Aikido Journal, you know, that I could go through and read, and and cool. I, I kind of like I was trying to start a library, like a historic library, which sadly did not survive after I left. <laughs> but but anyway, so I'm in this house for a couple of years, and. Um, people could come and stay with me. It happened a few times that they didn't have room at the dojo for some of the Soto Deshi that wanted to come in and visit. I had a buddy that was in the air force. And so he stayed with me and, uh, he got to be Soto Deshi for a month cause there oh, cool. wasn't any room and, and it was great. Um, So we'd have, um, I don't know, it was just, uh, like I said, sometimes it was like a sitcom. You'd have different, these different people come. and And Personalities and crazy mixes. (sighs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think uh,
0: we got an episode out of this. We'll see if we can talk Nick into sticking around for maybe another episode. But this seemed like it was the Japan experience, but I think it kind of turned into more of like the... The coming yeah. of age experience yeah. or something, the you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, yeah like, the thing, really. um, and I guess we kind of got to the bottom of like a lot of the things when we're not really when we're at the bottom. But, but it's like, um, you can have many different experiences, and they can all be this awesome life-transforming right. experience. You don't have to go to Japan. You might want to go to Japan. It might be there for you. It might not be there for you.
2: You might go to Israel. Right. And, right train with Miles. I don't know if he has an uchideshi program going there. You might go to Switzerland and train with Patrick. You might come to Fresno and train with Chris. I mean, the, the, uh, and in fact, really, if someone's thinking about doing this, um, it would be a good idea to, to maybe put, put some time and some money aside and do a little Aikido trip, travel around, Go to some different dojos right. and talk to some different find people. What fits for you. There's, you know, now we have the internet, so there's a lot of research that you can do beforehand. Um, but uh, for anyone that is, you know, considering an Uchi Deshi program, I'd highly recommend it, it, it whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, literally,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, all right, so that is it for this episode. Um, yeah, thanks a lot for
2: listening.
3: All right, I would uh, make sure that oh, people know, road. yeah, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, and you can find us at most of the on iTunes and on Google Play now. iTunes and Google Play, uh, and you can subscribe, which is uh, what I would say. That way, you just get new episodes every time they come
0: out. That's easy. And Maya also has a special announcement.
1: Um, We do have a Patreon now. Yeah. Um, So you know, we (laughs) we do this for free uh, out of the goodness of our hearts and because we love to talk about Aikido. So, yeah, so uh, check out – there's a link on our SoundCloud, and we're going to put links out. And
0: the reason – yes, we are. The the reason why we have a Patreon now is because – and so, you know, we're not trying to weasel any money at anyone. This is what's happening. Uh, We have to pay to archive these episodes. Um, and so our Patreon uh, requirement is very little. It's thirty dollars a month. Uh, that doesn't mean you have to pay thirty dollars. You can pay fifty cents. That's just what we're looking for. Yeah, yeah. we're yeah. looking for thirty dollars total um, to save up to buy some more microphones. Because right now you don't see it, but there's a microphone sitting on a piece of styrofoam with a little tiny recorder attached to it. So we would like to maybe have we're a microphone for everyone. Right. Um, and maybe so that's that's what we're looking for That'd is be to, really cool. to be able to archive the episodes and uh, buy some new equipment. That is all we're looking for uh, out of it.
1: Yeah, just to upgrade the quality of our podcast so we can put some This is for you. Yeah, this is all for you. you. So if you want it
0: to sound better... Right.
1: (laughs) Better better podcast, happier listeners. Get some Um, production values. Yeah, just check it out. I mean, you know, anything helps. Um, We really do want to do this for free and want to continue to do this and we want new people to be able to go back and listen to all the episodes that we have and um you know more people to start talking about aikido that really is our goal so this is all just in hopes that we can make that more possible yeah. for people right. we love
0: aikido we want aikido to survive all right yeah okay thanks. that's it Thank thanks you very so much,
1: much. <laughs>